This is Getting to Good Enough, a podcast to help you overcome perfectionism so you can do more of what you love. I'm Shannon Wilkinson, a life coach in Portland, Oregon. I'm a recovering perfectionist who's getting better at good enough. And I'm Janine Adams, a certified professional organizer in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm lucky enough to be naturally good at good enough. And today is one of our very special episode, episode 20, which is a good enough in practice. So Janine. Hey Shannon. This is a very, very, very special episode for another reason. That's right. I am not sitting in my home office in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm sitting at your kitchen table in Portland, Oregon. Yay! Yay. This is the first episode that we have um, been able to record in person together. Yeah, we're actually looking at each other. It's weird. It is weird. <laughs> Quit looking at me. <laughs> You're making me nervous. <laughs> Not really. (laughs) Um, So today we are going to be talking about genealogy. I love genealogy. Yeah. Janine turned me on to genealogy. Yeah. Yay. Yay for me. Yeah. Now I've I've apparently given you all sorts of problems that we discuss. (laughs) Yeah. Because I have to say perfectionism is totally getting in the way of me completing well not completing but really getting started on my genealogy yeah and I think you're not alone I think a lot of people get hung up in perfectionism when it comes to genealogy because there are a lot of moving parts with it and a lot of standards and a lot of people telling you the right way to do things Um, so uh, hopefully we can help you and maybe other people get past that barrier of perfectionism right well and I think too that you know while we're going to be talking specifically about genealogy I think this is about any sort of big ongoing never-ending project right or hobby (laughs) hobby right yeah I think you're right and I and I'll mention that in case folks don't know why would they know that that I'm a pretty serious genealogy researcher and I have a blog called organize your family history where twice a week I blog about these things so I actually think about this stuff a lot and I try to do genealogy research every day in my own life um yeah well and you've also spoken at is that the right word it sounded weird no that's right spoken Oh, geez. Um, you have spoken at like local, regional, and even national conferences about right genealogy. genealogy. Yeah. Organizing yeah. genealogy, doing genealogy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just saying, like, she, she knows what she's talking about. I'm not just spouting off, probably, like I do <laughs> every other week. <laughs> you were just not making this up. No, I'm not making it up. Right. So it's, I'm excited to talk about it, and um, I hope I can't wait to hear what we talk about. Yeah. Well, so I started researching my genealogy using, uh, I think in a way that a lot of people do is going on Ancestry.com and like getting super excited about finding um, 
you know, my ancestors and finding other people's trees who had already researched all of this stuff and then um, getting super excited about like, ooh, all this work has been done for me and then figuring out, um, no, wait, this is completely wrong because my great-great-grandfather was born in South Carolina so he probably his parents probably weren't living in Philadelphia at the time. Right. <laughs> so maybe that's not your actually probably yeah. not. Some of this tree that you were looking at might not be. Well, right. it's like the the and this happens to be the Wilkinson line. Um like some huge percentage of people that are that managed to go beyond my great great grandfather link him to this couple who he clearly cannot be a descendant of <laughs> and um and it frustrates me to no end but yeah but because i can't actually find his parents but you haven't actually found his parents i haven't all right I, just it, think how it, sweet it will be when you do it may be possible that's right exactly <laughs> you may be the one that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. If if it gets frustrating, if you're if you're relying on other people's trees, right. um, it gets frustrating when you right. find errors. So I I just don't ever look yeah. at other people's trees, pretty much. Yeah. So I um, then I you know sort of started from scratch and started building it based on you know I I consulted with you. You were very helpful in you know giving me some ideas of how to start and what how to sort of manage it because there are standards right there are oh there are some strict standards for professional genealogists in particular and if you're a pro you have to do things a certain way or you will be shunned (laughs) Um, but uh but there are even minimum standards for hobbyists like you and me uh where that allow you to trust your research if right you them, if you meet the standards right which is great because it's nice to know there are some some essentially some rules to follow except for it's also very intimidating because I, you know from my perspective it feels almost impossible to meet that um the what do they call genealogical it genealogical proof standard yes uh, <laughs> right it, it really isn't is impossible as it might feel i don't think but and it really the, the genealogical proof standard is a guideline in fact um, i'm gonna be blogging about this a guy sent me this great flow chart uh recently about using the genealogical proof standard so Ooh. yeah flow chart. so um watch my blog for that <laughs> uh, so try not to be intimidated but there is a i th- agree a certain intimidation factor when it comes right. to people who are really serious about genealogy yeah 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 so so i got super excited at the beginning and i did i like figured out some things and that i realized was one of the things i really liked it was like it was like solving mysteries and and solving puzzles and mm-hmm. and making these discoveries which was really fun and um, I, I did a bunch of work and then had to sell, clean out my mom's house and sell it and discovered this like literal treasure trove of photographs and documents um, that are, I mean, like crazy stuff that uh, I don't even think I told you this yet. A letter from my, let me think, second great grandfather to my great grandmother. 
Um, his daughter. His daughter. And um, from I think the letter is probably dated in maybe the 1870s. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice chatty letter, which is super fun to read. And then at the end, he says, oh, and here's... Um, the birth dates of all and names of all your siblings that you asked for. Oh, nice! And then he writes out everyone's full names and their birth dates in this letter, which is really awesome to have. But so, I mean, so I have this original letter. Mm-hmm. I have multiple original letters for, that are a hundred to one hundred and fifty years old. I have deeds that are. 170 years old Mm -hmm. so I have all of this stuff which I know needs to be handled with care in a particular way and then I got overwhelmed by that Mm -hmm. and I thought oh I should focus on dealing with these photographs and all of this stuff and and then I didn't Mm -hmm. because you were overwhelmed because I was overwhelmed didn't know how to do it just right you know the right right way to take care of those right and Mm -hmm. so so now I'm like ready to get back into it but I don't know where to start right um well I think that point you made about having precious documents that perhaps aren't being stored correctly Mm -hmm. um or safely uh maybe that would be a good place to start we get some archival materials Mm -hmm. and in the process of um putting the items in their archival uh, folders or what have you that you could sort mm-hmm. in, into categories that make sense to you. Right. And then if you're, what you want to do is what I call process, uh, whatever that might mean, uh-huh. um, turning these documents into a source document that you can then glean facts from and add to mm-hmm. your family tree, create a source citation, um, you could do that by category. Mm-hmm. You know, these categories oh, right. that you created as you've mm-hmm. sorted them into their archival homes. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it just struck me just while we were talking. I think it's brilliant. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And not just because you thought of it. That's right. No, I think that's a good way to do it because you're going to be touching the stuff. Mm -hmm. It's fun to look at. You know that you'll be looking at it more closely so you don't have to take the time while you're sorting to really read everything. Mm -hmm. um, But then you'll have sort of a a framework from which to work. And then you can think about whether you would want to sort those by type of document by person, mm-hmm. by f- a couple, mm-hmm. you know, generation, whatever. Um, but that would that could be fun. And I will say that two things jumped into my mind when you were describing that, and I'm so jealous that you have this. <laughs> I love that. That's just really cool. Um, and that is, one, with handwritten letters, uh-huh. I think it's a great idea to transcribe them. Mm-hmm. So type out the contents, because when you do that, uh, especially for handwritten stuff, you're paying really close attention and you find things that you wouldn't mm-hmm. would have escaped your notice if you were just reading them. Mm-hmm. Plus, it then becomes really easy to refer to them and you can right. see it become searchable and so yeah. forth. Um, and the other thing is with that great letter from your great-great-grandfather, who was probably pretty old when he wrote it, was he? Um, and his daughter was, a, was a, an adult. She was an adult, but at that side of the family, it, it's they're m- much older than you would expect mm-hmm. like they're right you have those giant long giant, generations right? yeah long yeah. generations so on was, that side of the family he was pretty he was oldish then um for the time well let's see yeah i think he was oldish he fought in the civil war 
Um, yeah, which is another thing I found was I had a copy of a photograph of him, but I found the original. Oh my gosh! In, in his, his uniform. uniform. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. Um, well, what I was going to say was, even though they're from his own hand and his own brain, these mm-hmm. dates that he wrote down for his they're, children, yeah, they, they aren't necessarily true. Right. I, I've encountered that where. Um, my great great grandfather who uh-huh. fought in the Civil War on his on a um, survey of, of veterans, he got his his anniversary date wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but it's to, a place to start. Exactly, it's a great place to start, and it's probably yeah. really in the ballpark. Yeah, and it, and I would call it a, a. I mean, I would put it down as a fact unless I found something that refuted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know you weigh them, weigh the right. evidence. But that's very cool. So you are you're very fortunate to have this stuff. Although I can mm-hmm. understand why it feels overwhelming. Yeah. Well, and it also feels like um, not only do I sort of personally just, you know, have this desire to get things right, but I feel like I have this greater responsibility Mm -hmm. to, you know, the rest of my family, you know, even the family that I don't know, but like everyone who's who's a descendant of these people to to care for these documents correctly, to make these documents available for other people to see digitally mm-hmm. and um, and to to get that right. Like, it feels like a big responsibility. Right. Well, and, and that leads, jumps in, in my mind, brings into my mind the idea of why we do genealogy research mm-hmm. and, and why is it important to us to, to do it at all. Mm-hmm. Or, and it's just like we always talk about, right? Right. In our drinking yeah. game, that, you know, yeah. what's important to you? <laughs> Why does this matter? That's right. So you've identified that one reason it's important to you is that you want to help your relatives, your cousins, and people Uh come after you. Yeah, well, and and I want to, I feel like even though these documents are in my possession, they aren't mine. And that the particularly the information that's in there belongs to everybody who's a descendant of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so making them available to these people is a big, I mean, it's going to be, it's a huge favor that you're going to be doing for any mm-hmm. genealogist who, who now living or dead, living yeah. or not yet living. <laughs> um, so part of your workflow with these documents is going to probably involve scanning them. Yeah. Um, and if it were me, I'd probably consider creating a, just a checklist of things that I do for each document Mm -hmm. and so that you can actually go from start to finish and know what the finish line for an individual document is Mm -hmm. um so that would be another thing that's a great idea and not everything on your checklist might apply to every document but at least you could reject it if it didn't apply Mm -hmm. and that way you're based you're you're helping your own research and you're Mm -hmm. if part of the workflow is getting that document uh, on the internet, or so, however you decide to do that, um, on on Ancestry or whatever you did, family search, whatever you decide to do, then right, um, then that's yeah, helpful. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, one thing we genealogists talk about a lot is source citations, which are like footnotes, right? Right. So this this letter from your great great grandfather um, to his daughter is a source of mm-hmm. information. And probably there's more than just those. I mean, it's got all sorts of goodies in there, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so you want to create a 
citation so that people who were to find this, let, let's say, a, you know, a cousin who mm-hmm. wants to use it can say where they got this information. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people get wrapped up in or uh, trying to make a source citation perfect. Oh, no, that never happens to me. <laughs> yeah, no, never. <laughs> I haven't bumped up against that at all. Right, yeah. I, okay, well, then you're exceptional. <laughs> then we need that about you. But, you know, I do, I, I was like... Um, I have had that problem too, although I've come to embrace the idea that as long as, for me, as long as I can find the document mm-hmm. um, after, uh, you know, again, based on the source citation, and as long as I attach that citation to every single fact mm-hmm. that I glean from that document, so that in the, in the example of your, that letter, you know, those birth dates, it would say if you know, somebody was born on July 4th, 1852, right. um, accor- it was according to this letter. Right. And then if you see somewhere else that he was born on July 8th, 1852, you can then, say, wait a minute, yeah. what's the discrepancy and figure out which is a more reliable source. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so important. It's just, it's critical. It, yeah. a, an unsourced tree is worthless in my opinion. But it's also important to not let it stop you, not let the need for a source stop you from uh, researching. Right. Yeah. Right. So I guess it, you know, that's a place where um, creating a good enough standard would be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and and it seems sort of funny, but I feel like writing down, writing down that standard, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like what I feel is like a good enough standard is probably as part of that checklist that you were just Mm -hmm. recommending would be really useful for me. So, because it's one of those things where I'm like, well, I need to do it this way, or this is how they say to do it. But if I just have it in there, like this is the format for, you know, a handwritten document. Oh, uh-huh. You could create then, your own little cheat sheet of, yeah. for the various types of documents you find. That's a great right. idea. You know, most of us who are doing online research who don't have this personal treasure trove uh, are, you know, we're looking at censuses, birth mm-hmm. certificates, death certificates, things like that, and, and it's pretty easy to come up with a, or to find a format that um, fits. But yeah, and, and that gives you consistency too. Right. It takes away that it should take away the angst. Right. And it gives you consistency, which is really yeah. nice. Um, so that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, and I, and it is just reminding me, like, one of... I think we've talked about this before, but just making the decision does relieve a lot of that angst. Right. And, like, if I just decide this is what good enough is in this, um, with some thought, like, oh, this is the standard... This is what I feel capable of doing. Mm-hmm. This is what I think is good enough. And making that decision and putting it in writing so I don't have to keep redeciding. Yes, right. Um, good idea. Will make a huge difference for mm-hmm. me. It'll yeah. make it so much easier. Right. And knowing why, you know, you're basing your standard on what's important to you mm-hmm. um, is makes it, all, you know, really a lot easier to come up with what's good enough. I think that's a terrific idea and also know that you can change it right so if later for some reason you identify there are other fa- other elements that you think belong in a source citation for a particular type of document mm-hmm. go ahead and add it and do it from that point forward right. don't get hung up on fixing all the old ones yeah. though if you have time and inclination right. you can but from that point forward just because you had a standard doesn't mean you can't change it is, mm-hmm. is my point yeah that makes sense 
that it and you know it's so funny because it feels so overwhelming in my head and like uh you know i know i need to do this and i want to do this and yet it feels like too much overwhelming to get started mm-hmm. um but as we're talking like it just bringing it all out into the light of day and outside of my head right? <laughs> like anything it just makes it feel so much easier mm-hmm. like like the clouds are parting and it's getting clear. right it's like well of course I just need to do it like, <laughs> of yeah. course just get like, started. <laughs> oh so like a thing that makes sense to me is um, at a minimum start with two archival boxes and buy a bunch of folders and have you know sort of one for my paternal lines and one for my maternal lines and then just stick the stuff in folders right yeah <laughs> like just do that yeah. and you know maybe do some sorting while you're at it right uh whatever feels right if you have one thing i'll throw out there is if you have do you have newspaper articles among these things um well, that's sort of an interesting thing i have newspaper articles but my grandmother who kept them um pasted them all into a scrapbook okay so they're cut out of newspapers mm-hmm. have no idea what newspaper oh, no dates but like she has one scrapbook that's all obituaries oh <laughs> i know like, and obituaries sort of so frequently will say so-and-so died on thursday right and if you don't know they, the date it yeah. does not help you i know but thanks to the internet and my phone i can like figure out pretty easily like i can f- figure out if they say thursday and then i can like piece dates together and find out what day that was yeah yeah I but mean, it, they don't make it easy they don't make it easy <laughs> right. well the only reason i brought up um newspaper and i don't know then that you're going to have this problem because she pasted everything is if you do have newspapers among your archival documents by all means, separate them because they're so full of acid that mm-hmm. they can actually, uh, when they're touching, they can actually damage the other documents. Mm-hmm. We all know they're going to fall, they might fall apart on their own, but you don't right. want them like burning into the other documents. Right. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have a lot of individual stuff. Although, <laughs> one of the things I found was a shoebox that had all of the memorabilia and pictures of a cross-country trip my grandparents made in the 50s. Oh, wow. And they submitted, it looked like my grandma just basically wrote a day-by-day diary and the local newspaper printed the whole thing. (laughs) So it's like a half-page article going day-by-day over what they did which is amazing to have Mm -hmm. because then I have all this memorabilia and I can very easily put it in chronological order. And and then also they did things like they went to Oklahoma to see where my grandpa's parents were born, which I mean, not where they were born, but where they were buried, which I didn't know because they're in unmarked graves in a cemetery that's like no longer in use. Mm But this says they went to such and such a cemetery in such and such a town. And so, you know, it's what... That is great. So that's a great, just, it's just so cool that you can then 
take these facts, mm-hmm. you know, create a source citation for that document, mm-hmm. create these, or take the facts out, put them in your family tree software, assign the source to it, mm-hmm. and that's real genealogy work done from original documents. That's really yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Well, and I can also tell you what the Senate was serving for lunch when they were there. They have the menu. <laughs> the Senate? <laughs> they went to the... Um, they went to Washington D.C. and oh. they visited the Senate. They have like their tickets from touring the Capitol. They're, wow! Like, they went. Ever it was three months. They drove for three months. And they threw it all in a shoebox. And it was all in a shoebox. Huh. <laughs> wow, that's excellent. Very cool. Um, one thing I wanted to mention that. I think about in terms of the good enough all mm-hmm. the time. That was a big hang-up for me when I was starting out getting serious about genealogy research is the research log. You always read that every session you should keep a log of what you did. You need to, to you're supposed, you know, they say you need to show what you searched for, what search terms you used, what you found, and what you didn't find. Mm-hmm. Now, slowing yourself down to write down what you didn't find that feels virtually impossible. Maybe. Yeah. But, and there are some really great research, temp, uh, I mean, uh, spreadsheet templates out there mm-hmm. that, that, that ask you for, you know, you can just fill in all this stuff. And it's, to me, totally overwhelming and feels tedious. And so I was, I wanted to do it, but I would resist, I would resist. Yeah. And so I finally, I, I don't know, a year or two ago, just started doing uh, a research Temp, a research log in Evernote. Every day mm-hmm. I have a research log folder or notebook and then I have a new note each day and I just write down what I did. And it's not complete by any means. No. But it's so much better than nothing. Yeah. It's way better than nothing. And the other thing I do is every day, when I mean every time I research, I write down my next actions. So, oh, that's so important. Yeah, so then when I start a new session, I don't have to think, mm-hmm. what am I going to work on today? I can just look what I told myself I was going to work on today. Right. And that's by all means a good enough. It's mm-hmm. not even close to perfect. <laughs> uh, but, it, uh, but it works really well but, for Well, me. and that's the thing is that the point of doing that is to help you in your research. Right. And, and I'm not a professional. So yeah, I and that. so if that helps you in your research... And it, and it does, yeah. Then that is good enough. Yeah, it's definitely good enough. Um, it's even maybe slightly better than good enough. <laughs> uh, for your purposes. For my purposes, right. But I think it's um, a, an important thing you might want to consider doing if you're not doing that already. It can be really helpful. Yeah. Especially well, since our memories aren't what they used to be. No. And, um, yeah, and I wish I would have done that from the beginning because I have found myself researching in the same places and not finding the things that I didn't find there every other time I've looked. Right. <laughs> I, do, I still do that even with my Im- imperfect research. Yeah, well, and I guess that's the the point of saying, you know, what you didn't find. Yeah, <laughs> although the thing is with with those big databases like Ancestry. They're is, adding stuff. They're always adding stuff. So a search that came up uh, wrong, you know, yeah. might not might might hit pay dirt later or right. if you just change a little bit the way you search mm-hmm. um without planning to right <laughs> yeah it can make a big difference <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so i think then the the thing for me is just to choose a place to start yeah you can't go wrong right i mean you want to connect your generations but in the case of 
of your your family, you probably know these people. I mean, right? I mean, this is stuff. These are close enough generation wise that you're you know the connections. You know who your great great grandfather is because you know his daughter is your great grandmother and right. so forth. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, starting new uh, most recent and moving back in time, if mm-hmm. you have to pick a place to start. Yeah. That's a way to go. Right. So you can connect your generations. Right. Well, and I'm also thinking of, um, you know, there's, there, I have, I feel really confident about a couple of lines that go quite a number of generations back. Um, But what I'm thinking about right now is sort of what's happening in my life that makes one thing feel more pressing than another mm-hmm. and I'm um, going to visit my aunt who's my dad's sister for her 90th birthday in December mm-hmm. and so it would be really fun to focus on that line so I could share that with her when I go visit yeah, there her you go. in December yeah that's so, a great reason to focus on that line yeah so having all of that and I know she's been really interested in knowing you know, I've been focused on sort of direct ancestors, and she's really interested in finding out about all of these cousins that she, you know, they're like second cousins and half cousins, because her grandmother, my great-grandmother, was married four times and had children by each husband, perhaps not the last, I can't remember. Um, but so she has a lot of half cousins and you know, more distant cousins mm-hmm. that um, that she doesn't know about. I mean, that she knows they're out there, but doesn't know who they are mm-hmm. or anything. And then we've both done the DNA stuff. So they're popping up through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be fun to sort of fill out some of the closer collateral lines for her yeah. so that she could she could know that. Yeah, December's just around the corner. I know. Yeah. It's super close. <laughs> yeah. But that's really great. I mean, just think what a birthday present that would mm-hmm. be for her. Yeah. And I think it is really important to um, research those. We call them collateral lines, the, the cousins that, that, who aren't directly, you're not a direct descendant of mm-hmm. because it helps you fill in so many blanks. Yeah. Um, and just think that you could satisfy the curiosity of your 90-year-old aunt. That's really great. That's a great research priority. A great research question. I decided to focus on, uh, I've been focusing on the Adams line for mm-hmm. a year and a half. And I said, <laughs> okay, maybe I'll shift to a different line and which one shall I do? And, and I decided to go with the Rasco line, which is my father's mother's line, because he and my aunt are alive. Uh-huh. Right. My mother is, has passed away, as have her brothers. So I think if, if anyone's going to benefit from this, let's... let's yeah. Look. Well, and also they may be able to provide information or answer questions maybe not (laughs) if i had started this uh earlier 10 or 15 years before if i were asking questions perhaps because these are not young people right (laughs) but they are really interested in what uh well yeah they are interested in what i'm finding i've been doing some newspaper research lately and pulling up some great articles Mm -hmm. that make my dad smile yeah so that's oh that's good yeah good yeah um but yeah so i think that um it's just like any project like you have to 
just get started. Mm -hmm. Know what's important to you, Yeah. why you're doing it, so that you can figure out a place Mm -hmm. to get started that makes sense. And in the case of genealogy and other things as well, know what your standards are, you know, know what, sta- what good enough is that meet right. your standards and make it easy, as easy as you can. I mean, genealogy, it's, it's, there's a certain rigor that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So your standard has to be, you know, a, a little bit higher than just having laid eyes on something. Right. You want to document it. But it doesn't have to be intimidating. Yeah. So I like the idea that now you actually feel like maybe you could. I know get I'm kind started. of excited. Yeah. Like, well, good. Could you hurry up and leave so yeah, I could get right. started sure. in my genealogy? Yeah, I was just that's so funny. It's the opposite of what I was going to say, which was, oh, too bad I'm not staying longer. I could help you, but no, I'll leave, Shannon. <laughs> I, that didn't occur to me because I know you have to leave. Right, right. But yeah, obviously it would be fun to help you dig into that stuff. Yeah. Alas. Well, we'll see how much time we have before you actually have to leave, and maybe you can look at some of the things that I have. Maybe so, although I do have to leave in a few minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To go see my dad. Uh, But when I come back on the way home, maybe you can. Well, maybe I'll have made some progress. Yeah, you can order some. In the next week. Yeah. Hey. And then, you know, and I can report back before this, before we post that you know before this episode goes live oh right and i could share how i've done which reminds me before we wrap up on this whole episode i think is there anything else you want to say about this no i feel like we've okay but um i wanted to report back on the morning routines oh right thing um and i think i mentioned in a previous episode that well in the morning routines one we talked about how I wanted to to have a more formal morning routine that consisted of more than just emptying my cat's litter box. An important <laughs> task. Um, but uh, so one of the things I did to help me was I got a journal, which is, I think it's called the Morning Sidekick Journal or something. I don't remember. We'll post it in the show notes. And uh, it has been really helpful in me sort of figuring out what I wanted to be part of my morning routine, sort of experimenting with it and um, keeping up with it. And this has been this has been a real practice in good enough for me because there were definitely days where I forgot it. Oh, and this journal is for, 66 days there's some the latest research says it's 66 days mm-hmm. to create a new habit um how how many days have you been doing it so i am i think i'm on day 25 because i missed a few okay <laughs> but so that's where the good enough came uh-huh. in because instead of just being like oh i screwed up i didn't do it thank goodness the journal is undated Uh uh-huh and so i would just start if i remembered at night or in the morning because there's part of it you do in the morning and part you do at night Mm -hmm. i would just start from wherever i remembered and go from there that's great yeah and so um and i think like 
last week I was fighting off a cold and I didn't do it and I think I missed like three days in a row or something and in the past that definitely would have completely derailed me and I would have would have been over yeah and I would just been like oh another journal that I did like a third of and Mm -hmm. didn't finish Mm -hmm. (laughs) but instead I went back to it and have kept up with it and it's really it's great and I'm doing um, almost all of those things I talked about that I wanted in my, you know, sort of dream morning routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started super small. Like my, I wanted to meditate and journal and um, do a little movement. And so my goal was to meditate for a minute and one page of writing and um uh some kind of well actually it was I didn't even have to do any kind of movement I just had to put on my workout clothes <laughs> and like every morning I do and then I usually will go for a walk or a run or do a little stretching or something um I will often meditate for much longer than a minute but like if it's only a minute I feel good about it mm-hmm. like I met my objective um if I write more than a page, that's awesome. But if I want to stop at a page, that's good too. Your minimum standard. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, yeah. we'll put a link to the in the show notes to that journal. Yeah, because it is helpful. There are, I think I mentioned before, there are things about the journal that like sort of don't make sense to me. But overall, it has been really helpful. And getting started. That's fantastic. And it just yeah. sort of showed up in your Facebook feed, right? At the, about in the time we were talking about this. Oh, yeah, because whatever series listening to us having <laughs> conversations or something, and then, you know, you get ads. Think it, it's in your Facebook feed. <laughs> and you get ads <laughs> for it. I'm like, holy crap, that's exactly what I need. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, because I remember I saw it on my Facebook feed, and I'm like, hey, have you seen this? You're like, yeah, I already ordered it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think it was like about maybe it was a couple weeks after we talked about the morning routine thing that maybe I around the time it. we published the episode. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> creepy. Yeah. Well, that's great. I think that's fantastic, Shan. I'm excited for you. Thanks. Thanks. It feels really good. So I think that does it for this episode. I think so too. I enjoyed talking genealogy with you. Thank you. I enjoy having um, an expert (laughs) with me to help me, to guide me, to remind me that this is supposed to be fun. That's right. (laughs) You do it for the fun. It's not drudgery. It shouldn't shouldn't think of it as drudgery. Right. Otherwise, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening. We would always love to hear from you. So if you want to leave us a voicemail with a question or comment, you can call the Getting to Good Enough hotline at 413-424-GTGE, which is 4843. And um, you can find us all over social media, and all the links to that are on our website at gettingtogoodenough.com. Yay! Yay! So uh, this is... Shannon Wilkinson in Portland, Oregon. And Janine Adams in Portland, Oregon today. (laughs) And we hope good enough is getting good.